Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our Communicating Confidently podcast. Today, I am chatting with my friend, Maya Grossman. Now, Maya is the expert when it comes to figuring out how you want to approach your career. And what I mean by this is we can't always go about our daily work just thinking, oh, this is a long to-do list of things I have to get done. We sometimes have to take what I call a bird's eye view of what direction, what's this north star that we are heading towards and making sure that the work that we do are what I consider mission strategic projects. These are things that's going to help bolster your experience, bolster your value, bolster your resume so you can get that next big coveted promotion or opportunity. So Maya and I, we're going to be chatting about skills to skyrocket your career. How do you work for the best companies in the world? And very importantly, how do you get that raise or promotion? Maya has a fantastic book out that I highly recommend you check out. It's called Invaluable. Master the 10 skills you need to skyrocket your career. And that is why today on our chat, Maya and I are going to be chatting about the 10 skills you want to be thinking about to be invaluable. So let's get started. Welcome to our Soulcast Media Live events. Thank you, Jessica. I'm so excited to be here and I can't wait to talk to everyone about how to become invaluable at their jobs. So Maya, you are, so your background is, so you are a marketing expert, like that's your field, but I know um, not too long ago that you came out with this book talking about how you can be valuable at work. So even before we dive into the 10 things, which I know you cover in your book, Share with us what actually inspired you to write this book. I'd love to hear people's behind the scenes story. Like what inspired you to write this? <laughs> yeah, of course. So I, I guess in a way I've always been ambitious with my career goals and throughout my, my journey, I started building a plan and following the plan and I was able to see results. And I think pretty much at every job that I had, I gave other people advice, right? They would come to me, oh, how did you become a manager so quickly? Or what do you think I should do with this or that? And I really enjoyed it. And just about two years ago, um, when I was doing some work for Google, I had three people come up to me during the same week asking the same questions. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, I should just write this down and make it easier to share. And instead of just writing one answer, I started writing all the different things that helped me get to where I am. And that's kind of how the book came to life. Okay. So, well, first of all, that in and of itself is impressive already, right? We all have ideas, but to take ideas and execute it into becoming, for you, you wanted it to be a book. I mean, it doesn't just happen overnight. So I think there's a lot of like, you know, mindset shift that also has to happen within each of us if we want to kind of 
execute to whatever it is that we want to achieve. So, you know, like I said, I want to just kind of dive into the meat of today's topic, which is really what are the 10 skills to be invaluable at work? And then, I mean, 10 is a lot. And, you know, we only have about 40 minutes or so to chat about this. We can pick and choose maybe, or you can pick and choose maybe two or three that you want to focus on and really kind of sharing with our audience today, the more than 100 of you guys who are here, uh, you know, maybe two or three of like why you think these are perhaps the most important and, and what to do. So let's just kind of go down this list. Like what are the 10 things according to Maya Grossman that makes somebody invaluable at work? Of course. Well, they actually have a lot to do with mindset and they're mostly soft skills. Um, and if I kind of read them in order, um, it's developing an owner's mindset, becoming a lifelong learner, focusing on making an impact, uh, being an opportunity digger, which people really like, so we can talk about that one, um, becoming a fixer, learning how to be a master influencer, um, mastering the art of managing up and across People think if you're a leader, you only have to manage people who report to you, but there's actually a lot more than that. Extreme accountability, which means taking accountability to the next level. And we can talk about that one as well. Becoming a planner, meaning having a plan for your career. And then lastly, the one thing that people usually don't really spend time on is creating the habit of tracking your success. And it sounds like a nuance, but it actually makes a huge difference. Um, and we can definitely talk about, about why. But it all starts with mindset. This is why the first skill is developing an owner's mindset. Because if you can't think uh, that way, if you can't see beyond your job description, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually start leveling up. I think, and that makes complete sense to me, right? You know, people can have like, for example, you can have this list of like things and skills that I want to improve. But if your mind isn't there to essentially set the foundation to help you grow these soft skills, then it's going to be much, much harder. And that actually kind of leads me to my first question. And I, I do want to dive into a few of the 10 that you just shared. How is it that most of these end up being soft skills? You know, I have, I honestly think soft skills is one of the most important things for career success, especially the higher up you go. But for you, how is it that a lot of it ended up being these soft skills? Did, are you also seeing that really soft skills translates into career success as well? Yeah, um, I think the way to look at it is that your hard skills, if you're in a specific profession, that's a given. And with the amount of information that exists today, it is relatively easier to learn um, how to use a specific software. It's easier mm -hmm. to learn some of the rules around marketing or sales. And you definitely need experience and you need to practice them to get better. But I think what makes you really stand out and what makes you an invaluable employee is not just doing the work that you're given, but actually going beyond that scope and thinking, in the business uh, perspective and not just your own. And I think the only way to do that is if you have the right soft skills, not to mention people, communication, those are the things that really move uh, a business forward. And those are the things that will actually help you get that promotion or that raise. Uh, because unfortunately, just doing your job doesn't cut it anymore. 
Mm -hmm. It's what I call like soft skills are one of those intangible things that you can't necessarily force somebody to, you must learn this, right? Like, like kind of like you mentioned, soft skills is one of those places, one of those things where it really has to come from within, but it's one of those intangible skills that when you know somebody on your team is great at communicating with other people, great at working with other people. You know, that's not something that's always easy to find. And I always say, you know, for managers looking and working with their team, they should also identify folks who they have found like, wow, you know, James or Betty, like they're really good at working and collaborating together. That is a very, very valuable skill. And like you said, you know, Technical skills, I mean, we can't underestimate them. Sometimes it takes years to hone technical skills. But once you have those technical skills, again, the higher up you go, learning how to engage, communicate, motivate, inspire other people. Yes, like you mentioned, it is those soft skills. So let me ask you, so of the 10 that you mentioned, is there one that you want to focus on right now? Anyone that's your particular favorite or one that you know that people really like talking about when it comes to one of the invaluable skills? Yeah, um, I would definitely want to talk about two. So we started with the first one of developing an owner's mindset. And when I start talking about it, a lot of people think, oh, so you want me to work 24-7? That what you mean by thinking like an owner? And the answer is no, I don't want you to work 24 seven. Work-life balance is really important. I want you to work smarter. And what most people do, especially earlier in their career, they have a job description um, and they kind of stick to it. They, they do exactly what they're expected. They don't really look to the sides. They don't really look up. They just kind of stay within their own zone. And if you right. have the owner mentality, then you ask better questions and you look at the business as a whole. You think about the business model, you think about the customers and you try to connect the dots because you're able to see, you know, the bigger picture, but you also have the benefit of doing the day-to-day -day work. And when you have that view, you start seeing things that you can fix. And when you fix problems, you become more valuable you can find opportunities for growth for yourself and for the business, because you're not just busy thinking about the things that you need to do, but you mm -hmm. care about the business as a whole because you understand your job is not your job description. Your job is to make the business more successful in any way you can. The problem is, and this is why a lot of people are struggling with this one, you don't see the results immediately. And people don't really want to spend more time, more effort without seeing the benefit immediately. But mm -hmm. what I've learned and what I try to teach people is that it has a compounding effect. You may not see it right now, but the more you do it and the more you think like an owner and come up with all of these suggestions and initiatives, you're building your reputation. And eventually that will pay up and it will pay out and it will pay out significantly. So you just need a little bit of patience um, to really kind of uh, stick with it until you can start seeing the results. When I think of the term owner mindset, the, the word that I think of is being proactive, right? And not just being like kind of just status quo. And I know for a lot of us, especially when we're in a job that we're not particularly happy in, we kind of just sometimes just try to do the bare minimum because we're not that motivated or happy. So we just kind of glide or try to slide under the radar. And, you know, I think if, I mean, I would say if anybody is unhappy, right. You know, 
I think maintaining a good attitude every day is still very important because reputation, right, is very, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly think reputation makes a huge difference because you never know who you're going to bump into. But yeah, when I think of owner mindset, I think of being proactive. I think of it as taking a bird's eye view of things. You know, I know a lot of us can get so hyper-focused on our daily to-do list, right? We all have these to-do lists of things that we have to accomplish, tasks, projects, people we have to connect to. But sometimes we have to be able to decipher, okay, busy work versus strategic work, right? And, you know, I can't say one is more important than the other, but I think sometimes taking a bird's eye view which kind of makes me think of that owner, you know, owner mindset. That's, that's kind of what I think. Does that sound about right to you too? Is that what you're also saying? Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing what you can do when you stop thinking just in terms of, you know, the things I have to do and what's within your purview, right? So many different opportunities. Let me give you an example and it will actually lead us to the next uh, scale. So very um, I actually didn't start my career in marketing, even though it's what I do today. Uh, I spent almost seven years being a travel agent. Uh, great company, just not something I was passionate about. And I decided I want to shift into marketing. And I did a lot of work to teach myself, to volunteer, to build the skills. And I got the job. But I got a really senior role. I was 28. I took a step back from being a manager. And I took a role where I was a junior social media uh, manager. And I was part of a team of five, very small company, very early on. And I could have just, you know, I could just do my job and be happy with it. But um, I was so excited and I was seeing the company growing, right? We got more and more customers. And as we got more customers, things got more complicated. We didn't have enough people. Work was piling up. Things were falling between the cracks and it really bugged me because I love the company. I love yeah. the founders and I felt, you know, like it's kind of my baby as well. And I thought about it for a really long time and decided to do something about it. So I put together a plan and I'm using air quotes because it was literally a word document with like five bullet points. And it basically said, here are all the problems and here are a few things we can do to solve them. And I set up a meeting with the CEO and I said, hey, I think we have a problem. I think it's time for you to hire a manager because there's so many inconsistencies and we need someone to be more hands-on with customers. And he looked at me, all smiles, and he said, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're the new manager. Go fix it. So essentially, by thinking like an owner, by caring, by taking action, I created my own opportunity to become a leader. And I've never, you know, I, I wasn't a leader at that company before, uh, but they trusted me because I was able to identify a problem and offer a solution. Um, I love that. And that, <laughs> and that kind of leads me to the next skill, which is becoming an opportunity digger. And here's what I mean by that. I think a lot of us have been taught that if you want to move up the ladder, if you want to progress, then you just need to do your job and you need to wait your turn or you need to convince your manager to give you an opportunity. And I never really liked that because that means um, I'm not the one responsible for my career. I have to depend on other people. So instead, I actually prefer to think about it as creating your own opportunities. And here's what it means, because you don't just think about it and 
you know, they happen. Um, the, the way to think about it and what I teach in the book is first and foremost, you really need to understand what you're looking for. You can't just say, I want opportunities. What kind of opportunity do you want? Do you want leadership experience? Do you want to learn a new profession? You really need to be specific about what you're looking for. And I even tell people, set up 30 minutes on your calendar once a month to ask yourself, what is the next opportunity that I need to create? Just be really conscious about it. And here's why. Two things happen when you're very conscious. One, what you think about is what your brain focuses on. So if you keep telling yourself, I want to be a leader, I want to be a leader, I want to be a leader, mm -hmm. you will start seeing opportunities to be a leader. And it's not because they were not there before. It's because your brain was just too busy looking at other things. And now that your brain knows, oh, my actually wants to be a leader, he will, that your brain will start showing you those opportunities. And two, the more you think about it, the more you tell other people. And when you start telling other people, they help you create those opportunities. That actually reminds me of a story that I also wanted to share. So like I mentioned earlier, when we first started this broadcast, before starting my own company, Soulcast Media, I was a former TV news reporter. And, you know, when you are in that industry of broadcast journalism, it's a very sort of, you know, I'd say kind of like linear field. Um, I mean, you, you kind of are a reporter. Yeah, there's opportunities to rise up, but really to rise up, uh, you either are a reporter or you are a news anchor, right? Like that's kind of just the two tracks. But when I was a reporter, I was what we would consider a general assignment reporter, meaning I just covered whatever stories there was going on, whatever breaking news situation. So I was always running around. But in my heart and in my mind, I had always been interested in business and always fascinated with interviewing business leaders, learning about different companies, and kind of doing more of that side of reporting. But because at the time, I was working for just a local television station, you know, they didn't have the resources or budget to want to, you know, invest in some sort of like business show that wasn't necessarily their focus. But for me, I knew that eventually down the line, not short term, but down the line that that was what I eventually wanted to achieve. So what I ended up doing was I ended up trying to create my own opportunities. I knew my boss back then would never say, Jessica, we're going to be creating a business show. Do you want to do it? That, that beautiful opportunity was probably not going to land on my lap one day. So what I ended up doing was I ended up pitching the idea to my boss saying that I was interested in it. But I knew that they wouldn't be able to give me additional resources. So what I ended up doing was I ended up saying, you know, I will add this onto my plate, but I was okay with that. So I would, you know, perhaps do extra stories, kind of spend a little bit more time in the office to do my research. But I knew in the end that if I did this, it could help bolster my resume to have more of that business focus. And in the end, they just got more content. They just got another story and they didn't have to hire another person. But one, well, again, the moral of the story is I identified kind of where I wanted to go, which at that time was I wanted to learn more about business, right? And so for me, it was like, okay, I know my boss isn't just going to, you know, hand me that golden ticket and be like, go for it. So I had to essentially be willing to sacrifice time, my own time, but it all worked out in the end because in the end I ended up, I actually did end up getting my own business show, but I had to kind of grind. I had to create that opportunity myself. So kind of going to your point, Maya, 
thinking, where is it that you want to go next? Whatever it is that interests you, right? Whatever, you know, skill or whatever field or whatever department, or whatever group, look at what they have, look at where you are and think about, okay, I need to level up in this skill. How can I do it? And yes, it may take extra effort. It may take extra time, but if it gets you that long-term goal, I mean, in the end, it's kind of like a win-win for you. So I love that opportunity digger. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Um, and for everyone listening, if you actually want to know how to do this, I have a free toolkit step-by-step -step, how to identify what's the next step for me, where am I today, what's the gap, and what are the actual steps I need to take to get there? Just go to mayagrossman.com. You can download it for free. Um, and just to give you an example, right? At some point, if I wanted to be a leader at a company, but uh, my job description did not include people management, and I knew that the company doesn't have the headcount. So what mm -hmm. I would try and ask myself, okay, how can I create other opportunities to gain the same skills? And if it's within the company, maybe I can go and mentor someone who's more junior than me. There must be someone at the company who knows a little bit less and I can kind of be their mentor. That will definitely help you get those skills. Maybe you initiate a project. If you initiate a cross-functional project, one that even benefits the company, you do act as a leader. You may not directly manage people, but if you have to bring them together and you do it well, that's definitely leadership skills. And lastly, if you can't get that experience within your current job, then A, you can go and look for a different one. But if not, go out and volunteer. There are so many opportunities to do things for free, but still gain the skills that you're looking for. Um, and people kind of overlook it because they think, hey, if I'm volunteering, it doesn't count. Let me tell you a secret. It definitely counts if you actually gain the skills. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so far we've talked about having that owner mindset. We talked about how you can be an opportunity digger. And um, I want to talk about a third one, but before we get to that, for those who are just jumping in right now, I want to welcome you guys to our Soulcast Media Live. I'm here with my guest, Maya Grossman, and we are talking about this topic that you see on the bottom of your screen, 10 skills to be an invaluable, to be invaluable at work. And uh, we've been talking, we talked about the 10, we'll recap the 10 before we end today, but I just want to, you know, let everybody know that if you guys have any questions for us, please throw it in the chat function, because we want to make sure that we answer any questions that you may have. So Maya, actually, before we get to the third one, I did see a question come up that I, I thought it was actually a pretty interesting question and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it. So let me pull it up. This question is from Carrie. What can you do when your boss tells you that you were just hired to report, not to fix things, not to kind of go out of your lane, right? I think we've heard that before, yeah. you know, stay in your lane, right? So what are your thoughts on this? And I have some thoughts on this as well, too. But what are your thoughts about when your boss is like, just stay in your lane? Yeah, definitely not the ideal situation. Um, I would probably approach it in one in two different ways. So first and foremost, I would want to try and understand where is this coming from? Is this specifically about me? Is it about everyone? Is this about company politics? I would try and really understand where they're coming from. I worked with a difficult manager before who just had really bad experience with employees who didn't really 
they weren't accountable. They didn't really deliver. So he didn't really want to trust them with more responsibility. And if that's the case, if this is coming from, hey, I just don't trust you, there are actually different things you can do to gain their trust. So what I usually recommend is to start with really, really small, like bite-sized additional work and get your manager involved from day one. So make it kind of their idea. So if you want to do something extra, go to them directly, tell them, hey, this is a problem that I think would be very beneficial for you as well if we fix it. I'm more than happy to do the work, but I want your guidance, right? And I'm gonna report every step of the way. And then I over communicate. I tell them everything that I do. And eventually when the work is done, uh, if possible, I share it um, and I make sure that I give them credit for being the person who allowed me and empowered me and really helped me succeed in that specific task. And it may take a while. You may need to do this five, six times. And maybe at the beginning, they'll say no, but you kind of continue to ask and they may turn around. But the truth mm -hmm. is they may also not turn around. And maybe this is the company policy. And in that case, I would probably start thinking about finding a different opportunity uh, yeah. because it's just, at least for me, it's not the environment that I want to be in because I want those opportunities for growth. Yeah. And I know that there are other companies out there that will welcome i mean as a hiring manager trust me i welcome anyone who wants to do additional work right. i don't like to be black i don't like to be blindsided right so as long as you tell me what you want to work on awesome i'll empower you i'll give you the tools i'll make sure that we're both successful um but if your company or your manager doesn't want to do that i would definitely consider finding a different opportunity I completely agree with everything that you just said. You know, again, we don't know the particular situation here, but perhaps if, you know, the boss is saying, yeah, don't try to go outside, you know, your purview or just kind of stay within what you know, you know, is it because they potentially feel threatened, right? Or is it they're afraid, you know, you're going to do something that's going to make them look bad. So, I mean, this is where, and this is where I think about communications, just because that's what we do here at Soulcast Media, you know, making sure that you're looping them in, in the process, you know, making sure that you're including them, because like you said earlier, you know, you definitely do not want to be blindsiding anybody, especially your boss, because again, they may feel that you're, you might be doing something a little tricky. And of course, that's never a good relationship building tool. So, you know, over communicating, engaging with them, pulling them into the process, and even kind of sharing, you know, and being as explicit as possible, like how potentially this can make either them or your group or your department look good or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. You know, if you're doing something that can make your boss look good, right, it's going to be harder for them to be like, stop doing that, right? So, but you have to kind of find yeah. that value and you have to communicate it to them. And then perhaps they'll be a little more sold on like, hey, you know, maybe us doing that a little differently may not be a bad idea, right? But I think communications is really important for this, being very clear, and very being very clear about what the objective is and how it can benefit your boss and maybe the entire group. Of course, you don't want to go and say, I want to do this because it's going to benefit me because she's going to, he or she's going to be like, uh, yeah. no, right? So communicate that. I, I completely agree. And I can see uh, Carrie's reaction to that, that she thinks it, it might be coming from them being afraid that she will outshine them, which... Mm -hmm. Definitely means um, whoever is in this role uh, needs to do some learning about leadership and management because when you're a manager, 
your team is everything. So how they perform really reflects on you. So at least for me as a hiring manager, I want my team to be as successful as possible. I would gladly give them more responsibilities because one, they will help me achieve our our department goals a lot faster. But if uh, I have high achievers and overperformers, that reflects really well on me. And I think what you just mentioned around, hey, don't make it about yourself. Don't say, hey, I want to do this thing to build my own skills, but actually find how doing that extra work or adding a skill would actually reflect really well on your manager. So Mm -hmm. if you can really figure out what are their biggest challenges, what are they scared of, what is not working for them, what don't they have time for, and take a little bit of that. Um, I can give you a really great example. I really wanted to have more strategic and business skills, and I did not have an opportunity to work on it. So I went to my manager and I said, hey, I know you're working on a quarterly business review. Let me create the presentation for you. I'll just literally, I'll just do the outline, not the information. I'll just make it look pretty to make your life easier. But in the process, I was exposed to a lot of the content. And then I made a few suggestions and my boss really liked it. So the next time around, he gave me all the information in advance and said, oh, just create the first draft and I'll edit it. So I helped them save a little bit of time. I started learning something new and I built trust. But I did it by thinking about them first and offering to help them do their work. Mm -hmm. This actually reminds me of this point. It's kind of like a lot of times people are like, well, if I'm always helping people, if I'm always volunteering my time, if I'm always going out of my way for people, essentially, I'm the one that is the one that's giving all the time. And I feel like I hear a lot of people say, like, it's not fair. Right. So my answer to that question is. Yes, you might be the one offering more of your skill, your time, you know, whatever it is. But what you are gaining is you're gaining their trust and you're also gaining their ear as well. Because that is truly, and this is from my own experience of saying, if you can have another person's ear, meaning they'll listen to what you have to say because you've helped them so much. I mean, that in itself is very, very valuable. So don't see it as like, oh, I'm giving, giving, giving. Rather, it's because you're helping, you are gaining that other person's ear. So when you do have something that you want to ask now, you would have already built up that, you know, um, I'm like, you know, a bottle of just full of like goodwill and trust, right? But again, it kind of has to start from somewhere. So, um, Maya, what's, so again, we talked about owner's mindset. We talked about being an opportunity, opportunity digger. What's the third Mm -hmm. one do you want to focus on today? Yeah, I really like talking about extreme accountability and there's a reason why I have the word extreme in front of it. So I think most people can understand accountability, showing up, um, taking responsibility, owning up to your mistakes. Extreme accountability is an extreme version of that, meaning everything and anything that happens is my responsibility. And while it's not exactly accurate because you can't control everything that happens, you do control how you react. And when you think in terms of extreme accountability, you actually adopt a mindset um, that is called having an internal locus of control, meaning you believe you are actually uh, responsible to your own actions. So a good example for that would be, 
you know, um, a student who failed an exam. There are two options. You can either think, oh my God, I had the worst professor. He hates me. You know, this is not my fault. Or you can say, I should have worked harder. Next time I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And if you're taking responsibility for that and you're owning up, uh, then you have an internal locus of control. And if you're not, you have an external locus of control, which means you just blame everyone else. And it's easier in the moment, right? We don't want to feel responsible. Right. But it also means that you're giving up control. If you're saying someone else is responsible for your future, that means you can't really do anything to change your situation. Um, and that's probably not the best way to, to live your life. So I really encourage people to think about every situation from an internal locus of control. Okay, this happened. What can I actually do now to change the situation? How can I do better next time? And the more you practice it, the more it becomes almost like second nature. And it's not that hard to take that responsibility. Um, but it's also challenging, especially in the workplace. We don't want to admit that we screwed up. Yeah. I mean, it's never easy. But let me tell you a secret. That's actually what's expected of you the higher up you go. When you're a leader, it's all about you. If someone on my team screws up, it's not their fault. It's mine. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the point of view that you have as you move up the ladder. And if you can adopt that early on, I think you will create more opportunities for yourself to become a leader. It's essentially not taking this like I'm the victim all the time, like or or woe is me, right? I think yeah. when you have that mentality, then it's like you mentioned, you feel like you're helpless. But instead, it's like, okay, that sucked, or oh, kind of screwed up there, or you know, whatever, you know, whatever negative feelings. And and that's the thing, it's okay to feel bad, right? I, I think that's part of like a hundred percent. Yeah, it's part of processing any negative experiences. But the key is to not dwell on it. Because that's also very what I consider black and white thinking. And as we know, in the business world, things aren't always so black and white, there's a lot of gray in between. Yeah. So taking on that mentality of like, Oh, woe is me or my or this sucks. Oh, I hate this. I hate that. Again, that doesn't create that like positive attitude, which is I think pretty key in trying to be um, like even the things we said to have that owner's mindset to create those opportunities. You have to be as open and as positive as possible. So I love that one. That's a great point. Is there um, another? Actually, before we get to that, I'm actually seeing a few questions come in that I do want to get to. And by the way, Maya, and for those who are here, there's over a hundred of you guys on this and we're just so grateful that you guys are joining us on this we've been chatting for over 40 minutes now and that's just like flown by <laughs> i know it's just we're just having a lot of fun chatting but one of the questions that i actually want to bring up before we get to any other last points is there's this question from christine tang so how do you manage peer relationships who sees you as a threat at work. And so they start sidelining you as you start to get more opportunities at work. So yeah, just peer peers feel, feeling threatened, jealous, perhaps. How do you manage that kind of tricky situation? Because it is tricky for sure. Yeah, I know. I don't know why people are so jealous. There's enough opportunities to go around. You just need to do your work. Um, it's, it's definitely challenging. I think 
it really depends on the relationship you also have with your manager. So I would see two different routes. One of them would be to honestly just not care. Meaning if you build a strong relationship with your manager, if you're already creating those opportunities, if you're moving up the ladder, you're going to move so quickly that six months from now, you're not even going to work at the same department. So that's one way to acknowledge it. But if this person is actually sabotaging you, if, if they're mm -hmm. actually causing damage, then I think I would consider trying to build a relationship with them, Try and get, trying to get to the bottom of this and even potentially helping them, right? So if you're doing so well and they're maybe not taking the same approach, maybe you can almost like mentor them. And I know it sounds weird. Why would someone who hates me actually want to build a relationship? But it comes from being a little bit jealous and from feeling like they're missing out. So if there's any way that you can include them in a project or ask for their opinion, kind of make them part of your success story I've seen that work really well before, but you really have to be aware that not everyone are going to take that well. Some people are, they just can't see others' success um, yeah. unless it's their own, and you might need to accept that at some point. I agree. I think, you know, trying to extend some sort of olive branch to see if there's a way to, you know, mend or reconcile that relationship, you know, that doesn't hurt because at least, you know, at least you're trying your bit, right? I mean, you can't expect them yeah. to try, but um, essentially you're trying to, again, mend the relationship. But like you said, gosh, there are just some people out there who, who are just jealous, right? No matter how yeah. nice you are gracious you are how generous you are they may still not like you right and that's just kind of one of those things where you're like well let me just focus on what I need to do you know focus on helping my team my group you know they may benefit because of my hard work and my dedication but in the end you know if that one person doesn't like me but my boss likes me everybody else likes me I mean hey there's power in numbers really too so yeah exactly um, so is there another point that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to? Today? I know there were 10. We talked about three. Uh, is there yeah. we want to end with today? Yeah. So I think what we could do really quickly, I mentioned something about creating a career plan. Um, and that's a longer process that, um, as I mentioned, people can go and download from my website. But one thing that people often don't do is track their success. And I wanted to bring this up because it actually really helped me in my career. And what that means is that you take the time, maybe once a month, uh, just to kind of write down some of your achievements. And the reason that I really encourage people to do that, and if you have a career plan, then technically every time you check off a, a goal off your list, that's an achievement. So you can actually have the same list. But if you don't, the reason I ask people to do it is twofold. One, because about a year from now, when you're going to link at your resume and your LinkedIn and you want to update them, you will not remember 90% of the things that you've achieved. And I can't tell you how much time I spent browsing through emails and looking for different campaigns that I worked on. So save yourself the time. But what it also does to your mindset is phenomenal because we really feed on wins. And if you take the time every month to remind yourself hey, I actually did this, I completed a task, or this campaign was really successful, I did something awesome, it motivates you to keep going, to do more of the things that bring you success. 
And it doesn't have to be anything huge. You can have really small wins and it will still encourage you. And that is what keeps you going when it gets hard, when you don't want to do the work, when you're kind of tired and you're not seeing the results. So if you turn it into a habit and something you practice all the time, it will really keep you motivated. Yeah. Even in, I'm just kind of thinking of some strategies. Like if you have like a folder you can create in your inbox of like, you know, you can call it like positive wins. And anytime somebody compliments you of whatever you did via email, like drop that email into that folder. And you'll always remember that, hey, hey, if you're having a bad day, just open that folder. You can be reminded of like when people praised your work, right? And again, when you're updating your LinkedIn or whatever your resume, you can always go back and reference that. So I'm just trying to think of like tactics and strategies, but I think that's kind of a good one. <laughs> Creating a little folder of like when people are saying positive things about you via email, because sometimes people will be like, oh, hey, great job on this, right? And they'll write it in email and then you just forget about it. But creating a little folder might be a really good idea. Um, it reminds me of, you know, back in the days when, so I was a reporter and I had like really, really good stories. I would make sure to actually write it down in my calendar that I did this story on this day because it would then trigger me to think, oh, I had that great story. But again, we're all so busy. Sometimes it's really hard to forget. So I think creating that roadmap and it's also a great way to advocate for yourself too, right? When people are asking you, hey, you know, do you have any examples? You technically already have a pocket full of stories that you can share with yep. folks. So, um, one, you know, I mean, Maya, I feel like you and I can just chat about this for hours and this is the topic that's very close to my heart. I'm always thinking about, you know, how can we help people level up in their career? Of course, to me, again, communications is like a huge, huge part of that. But before we kind of like wrap up here, Maya, is there anything that you want to share with folks? Any kind of like last quick tidbits and even before that, before we actually end it, I do want to go over the 10 once more, but any other kind of last minute golden nuggets you'd want to share with folks who are on our call today? Yeah, honestly, if there's one takeaway from this conversation, I would say just remember that you own your career journey. It is not something that other people uh, should or uh, could do for you. It's more about what you want it to be. And I know it sounds like a cliche if you, you know, just decide you get it. I'm the living proof. And I have a few hundreds of people I coached who will testify the same thing. When you have a plan, when you know what you want to achieve and you're intentional about taking steps towards that goal, you will achieve it. I, I think it was about 10 years ago, the first time I sat down and I try to use this formula of imagining what my dream life or what my dream career would be, I was nowhere near where I am today, right? I had this dream. I wanted to be the CMO of a Silicon Valley startup. I wanted to live in the United States. Um, I, at the time, started dating someone and I wanted to get married and uh, just a bunch of different things. And at the time, I wasn't even an executive um, I was living in a different country, 5,000 miles away, but I had a specific goal and I started mapping out the steps to get there. And it took about seven years. And I know that's a lot. It doesn't take seven years for everyone, but I had very big and ambitious goals, but I got there. I checked every single thing on my list and I'm not going to lie. It feels amazing. And I know that everyone else can do it too. So just remember, it's up to you, because if you believe that you can actually drive your career forward, 
then how to do it, that's something that, you know, I can teach you or other people can teach, can teach you. You just need to know it's really up to you. It absolutely is. And like I said earlier, it's not taking this like, woe is me when things don't turn out right approach. It's just, you know, again, processing any kind of negative experiences you've had, but then moving on, right? It's really moving on, trying to maintain a positive attitude. Hey, if something's not working, let's try to figure out something else. You don't like where you're working. Let's try to find another opportunity. You want to level up the skill. Let's try to find how you can do it, right? It's just constantly, constantly looking, staying positive, you know, Truly, I think attitude is everything. So before we kind of wrap up here, Maya, what are the 10 things, again, so people can be invaluable at work? So for those who are listening right now, get your pen and paper out. These are the 10 things that we are talking about here. So what are the 10 things? Okay, so developing an owner's mindset, becoming a lifelong learner. We haven't talked about that, but learning is a skill that you really want to develop. Um, focusing on making an impact. So that means knowing the difference between uh, creating um, outcomes or outputs, and you want to focus on the outcomes. Uh, becoming an opportunity digger, which we talked about, becoming a fixer, um, being a master influencer, meaning knowing how to convince other people to do what you want them to do in a good way. Um, and then uh, managing up and across because relationships are everything when you work at a company, taking extreme accountability, becoming a planner, meaning putting, uh, creating a plan for your career journey, and then lastly, tracking your success. So you always have that motivation to keep going. 10 very valuable skills, very doable skills that any of us can learn. And that's the beauty of soft skills. It's something that is absolutely learnable. It's something that we can dedicate our time to doing. So as we kind of wrap up here, Maya, how can people find you? Yeah, well, I'm definitely on LinkedIn or you can find me at mayagrossman.com. There are a lot of free resources on my website um, and you can also always get the book on Amazon. So Maya, thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everybody who joined our conversation today. There was over a hundred of you who stayed on and just, you know, hopefully you guys were able to again walk away with some golden nuggets of things that you can potentially think about leveling up. I mean, so here in the States, here in the U.S., we were celebrating Thanksgiving. So I know we're all thinking about family stuff uh, probably this week. But, you know, since we all have some downtime you know, think about, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity to think about, okay, how can I level up and how can I make myself more valuable at work? So uh, before we end here, I do have to kind of share um, one of the things that we are doing here at Soulcast Media this week. And that is we have a monthly communications membership, which is a Soulcast Media membership. And this is all communications based. So for those who are interested in leveling up their communications, consider joining the Soulcast Media membership because you actually get to work directly with me. It's a monthly membership program where we're releasing brand new content every single month. We have these group coaching calls where I come on and I teach folks things like public speaking, presentation. I have the link that I just put on to our chat, but this is a great way. And this kind of goes to my point number two is constantly keep learning. And again, I think communication is one of the most important skills. So if you are interested and leveling up your communications, consider joining the Soulcast Media membership because you get to work with me on all things communication. So take a look at that. And we have a next 
Soulcast Media live event coming up very, very soon. If you're interested in joining that, the topic for that is how to lead high performing teams. So um, to get on that, go onto our website, soulcastmedia.com, and we will send you the link so you can watch. It'll be just like this chat that Maya and I had. So with that, Maya, thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm, I mean, I learned so much in this last like 45 <laughs> minutes or so. For those who are here, thank you so much for your time and be sure to stay in touch and we will talk to everybody soon. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out and happy communicating.